Welcome to the Perfectly Integrated Podcast, hosted by Matt Ackerman, where we show the power of teamwork in wealth management. Now, onto the show. So what's next? What gets the advisors of tomorrow up every morning? What fires them up about the future and what's inspiring them today? Welcome back to Perfectly Integrated. I'm Matt Ackerman, and I'm thrilled to be talking about the future with two of the industry's brightest young advisors, Taylor Schulte and Mike Moore. Mike runs the Moore Group, and Taylor is the founder and CEO of Defined Financial. Both are young and rising stars in the industry, and both coincidentally are based in beautiful San Diego, California. And Mike's an amazing advisor that I've gotten a chance to get to know a little bit since I joined Integrated, and I met Taylor when I was at Investment News and was helping assemble the annual 40 under 40 list. Helping put together that list was always a real highlight for me at Investment News because we get to meet and celebrate the next generation of advisors. I can still remember meeting Lauren Williams, who was an accomplished Olympian who uh, had just been honored as our 40 under 40, and I convinced her to race me down the hallway. You know, stories like that always gives me hope about what's ahead for this industry. It's not all, you know, starch shirts and uh, buttoned up folks. There's some real innovation out there and excitement. That really gets me excited about what's next. And knowing Mike and Taylor, and I know this industry as well as it is, it's going to be in great hands. So gentlemen, welcome. Thank you both so much for making time for this conversation today. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, thanks for having us. So Taylor, I'll start with you. What inspired you to join this profession? You know, it's funny, I've shared before that the the young folks that I talk to, the students at San Diego State University and across the country are, are so smart and educated about what this profession looks like and the path that they want to take. And, you know, a lot of them are already geared up to take their CFP exam, you know, while they're an undergrad at school. And unlike all of these young people that I, I speak to, I really had no idea exactly what it meant to be a financial planner or a financial professional for that matter. I gained this interest in just the world of finance through my grandfather who gave me a stock certificate way back when. And I think I just kind of latched on to just being interested in finance at, at that point. And all my life after that, I just said, you know, I want to work in finance, but I didn't really know what, what that meant. Fortunately, right out of school, I had a job lined up at Morgan Stanley and immediately just fell in love. My wife had five, six, seven jobs out of school. And she was always so jealous of me that I, I found my passion on day one, but I really did stumble into it but I'm very fortunate. It's been a long, fun journey. And uh, I, you know, I'm excited about, I'm excited about these young students that, that know so much more than I did and are so much more intentional about getting into this profession and making it a career. That's well said. Absolutely. So Mike, what inspired you? Yeah, I see. I, I have a very different path towards uh, finding myself in this business. You know, my father founded the firm in, in the eighties. And so I always knew this was an avenue that I could pursue. And um, from a very young age, she would have me uh, sit in on client meetings. And for me, it was that interpersonal connection that uh, developed over years and in some instances, decades with existing clients where it's a teamwork culmination of hard work and planning. And it's almost a friendship and a little bit of a love that kind of exists between client and advisor and that more than, you know, the, the financial stuff and all the numbers, that's what drove me towards this uh, opportunity is more of the, the personal relationships that develop between client and advisor. Taylor, you said you knew right away you'd found kind of your passion when you joined this profession. Did you always know it was going to lead to being an RIA? 
I didn't know. I didn't, I didn't even know what an RIA was probably for the first three, four five years of my career. It wasn't until, you know, I stumbled across Michael Kitsis's blog and started reading his content and learning about this, this world of, of independent financial advisors and fiduciaries and, and RIAs. I do recall though, uh, in my early days, a friend of mine who was, I don't know, 10 years older than me, he just made this comment like, you know, one day you're going to start your own independent firm and it's going to have your name on it and not somebody else's. And I just thought you're out of your mind. Like I was under this impression that I needed this big brand name behind me in order to be successful. Here I am today with, with my own firm and as a registered investment advisor. And it's been a lot of fun kind of going through that path and, and, and getting here. If I can jump jump in, how was that transition? Was it uh, difficult? Did clients resonate with value proposition, the story? How difficult was it? Yeah, you know, there was a few stepping stones along the way, which you know I sometimes say is a regret, but I hate I hate saying it was a regret because you know who knows if I'd be where I am today without the stepping stones. But um, I, I joined a larger independent firm uh, out of Morgan Stanley, so again, I kind of had a, a a bigger brand name behind me. But it still took an extra effort to explain, you know, the independent world to my clients. I guess the the blessing was is that I was building trust with these clients for five five or six years before I made that move, and then I used that firm as not intentionally, but ended up being a stepping stone for a couple of years before launching my own firm. And by that point in 2014, in, independent firms, you know, weren't a, a rarity really anymore. Also, I learned to position our custodian, right? And say, look, like your money is held at Fidelity or Schwab or whatever. And that gave you know a lot of people peace of mind. So long story short, you know, the transition was great. Took a took a few steps to get here, but but we made it happen. Mike, your your story at the Moore Group is a little bit different. Your dad had passed away last year. Talk to me about being a, a young advisor and taking the helm at a successful business launched by your dad. What was it kind of like as you kind of uh, took the helm of this thriving practice? You know, I think initially uh, there was a tremendous amount of pressure on me both here at the office, uh, you know, in the eyes of our staff members and the other four advisors that have worked closely with my dad in some respects for 15 or 20 years. So um, I got a lot of hairy eyeballs when I walked in uh, day one, and I really had to prove myself uh, as a leader in that regard. And work extremely hard to distance myself from the pampered, spoiled son uh, that some people thought I might be. Um, and then in addition to that pressure here at the office, there was a lot of pressure at home too, you know, working closely with a family member. If that had gone awry or blown up in our faces, it would have not only impacted the business, but impacted my relationship with my father, who, you know, up until he passed away in May of last year, was it was, was in some respects my best friend. So um, a lot of pressure, but I'm happy that I had this opportunity and um, I'm proud of, of where I've gone with it. Taylor, you start your own firm in 2014. You know, being a young advisor has its own difficulties here. I mean, a lot of older clients, I imagine. What what was that like? What was that leap of faith like as you launch your own firm and are working with so many different and interesting kinds of clients? Well, uh, it was scary for sure. You know, early on in my career, I was really afraid of my age. You know, I went as far as like, you know, it's funny to admit this, but like, you know, wearing fake glasses and meetings, <laughs> and I'm, you know, 24 years old to just try and be taken more seriously. And I want to say like after four or five, six years of my career, I just said, you know what, like my age is an advantage. And I really believe that. And I just owned it. And I stopped hiding behind my age. 
but you know, still starting my own firm was a pretty, you know, daunting task. Fortunately, my wife was still working. We didn't have kids. You know, we had saved up a nice runway. I already had existing clients. I had existing revenue. You know, who, how many people get to go start a business with six figures of revenue? Not many. You know, a lot of times you know, as a business owner, you're you're in the hole on day one. You know, I had a lot of things kind of working for me out of the gates. It didn't mean I was going to be successful long term, but it definitely made me feel more comfortable. So yeah, it was scary. It still is scary today, right? I mean, our our, our family relies on on my income and, and my business's success, and we all still go into that panic mode. You know, what what if? You know, what if I don't ever get a new client, or what if everybody fires me and leaves? So I don't think that feeling yeah. ever goes away. But it is challenging being a young advisor. We only work with people over age fifty, so all of our clients are an older demographic. I think, like me, they recognize that the age is an advantage and they've been able to push that aside and it hasn't really stopped us from growing. I'm sure it works against us in certain situations. For what it's worth, I went through that same arc. I, to this day, keep my hair short so my hairline <laughs> shows <laughs> to nice. see that I, I don't have a great hairline because I was terrified, you know, being 23, 24 in front of a 65 year old that, you know, it has $5 million of investable assets. That's, uh, you know, how, what, what could I possibly say to add value, right? Like you said, Taylor, now I use it as a, as a, as a value add, really, you know, we're not gonna be going anywhere. We're not gonna be retiring anytime soon. And that has really resonated with my clients because they know that they're likely to die before I retire. It's as morose as that sounds, that matters to clients. It's so interesting you both say this because when I was doing the prep with both you guys for this podcast, you both made the point of telling me, I don't just work with next gen clients. I just don't want that to be the thing, Matt. And I think it's so interesting that you both said it because I think there's this misconception that next gen advisors are only working with next gen clients. And the truth is exactly what you said, Mike, these clients want to know that you you are going to outlive them. You're going to outlive their money. Yeah. You're going to be there every step of the way. And that's important. Yeah. yeah I, I think it it also falls back on the power of being an expert or having a niche, right? And I think it allows clients to uh, overlook the, the age issue, if you want to call it that. You know, I mean, if you are really, really good and you do your best work with working with retirees over age 50 and you have an expertise in tax planning and, and you can solve their their needs and, and, and help them overcome their pain points, then, you know, age doesn't really become an issue. I think if you're a generalist trying to help everybody, yeah. it may become more of a thing. But like, you know, when I'm shopping for a professional or looking for help with something, I don't care how old somebody is. If, if they if they can solve my problem, they're hired. And I think that speaks to, again, like the power of having a specialty or a niche. And that's what we do. We position ourselves as this is all we do. You know, we are, we, we are retirement planning experts. That's it. Yeah, that's well said. Mike, a lot of this is about evolution. And I know when you came aboard at more, at, you know, when you took the helm there, you really were about making some changes. You know, what were some of those changes and how were they received by, like you said, there's other advisors there. How was it all received by the team there? Yeah, well, it was broken down in the two components, my dad and then everyone else. My dad was uh, very analog. He took uh, copious handwritten notes to, to, you know, to the point where when he passed away, he did not own a personal computer, you guys. No joke. Uh, wow. He had a phone and that's how he, he got his emails, but didn't have a laptop or a computer. So you can imagine that, you know, as a, a younger advisor trying to push new technologies uh, into the firm and into the processes that we use, it was a nightmare because uh, he didn't resonate with any of that. So 
I mean, it's unfortunate to say that, you know, his passing and, you know, him not being here really accelerated that. So from a business perspective, what was one of the good catalysts of, of, of him passing away was we've been able to adopt all the technology that I wanted to in a much quicker time frame than I originally thought, which is important. So Taylor, is, is kind of this evolution, the change, is it difficult for young advisors, not just for you? I mean, you run your own really thriving practice and you're sitting there at the helm like Mike is, so you guys can make the changes you want. Is it hard though for other young advisors to create the change they want to see both in their firm and in the industry? I don't know. I feel like there's more opportunity than ever before. You know, as, as a young advisor, even at 22 or 23 years old, you have so many paths uh, right in front of you. I mean, you can leverage organizations like the XYPN network to go start your own firm, right? More and more firms are hiring financial planners just to do financial planning all day long and paying them great six-figure salaries to do that. So you no longer have to be a salesperson and responsible for bringing on new business and earning a good living in this profession. Also, the the people that I talk to, the, the, the firms that are hiring, it sounds like there's more high-quality firms looking for talent than there is actual young talent. So you know, these young planners should have a lot of choice and options when it comes to, you know, choosing their career path as a, as a financial planner. Yeah. I don't think, you know, if anything, I think there's more opportunity today than than ever before. I think it's a matter of these young aspiring or young, you know, current financial planners really figuring out what do they really love? Like, what do you love doing all day long as part of this business? And if you just love doing financial plans and crunching numbers behind the screen, like that's great. The good thing is, is there are jobs out there that will pay you really well to do that all day long. So, yeah, I I think the future is bright and I think there's so many, uh, so many options uh, and opportunities for for these young folks. Yeah, and I think that's a good point that you brought up, Taylor. In my opinion and experience, there's a a severe lack of talent on with young advisors. I mean, the barrier of entry, right, especially to do what we're doing, which is running our own firm. It's impossible. I mean, I have a lot of respect for you, Taylor, doing it on your own without my family and my dad specifically. I don't know how I would be in this position. There's just so many things that you have to do and so much barriers of entry that it's extremely difficult to get to this position at this young age. And that's good for us, right? As people that are in the business, uh, we like that, but it's hard for someone to come right out of college and, and be in the independent space just because of the all the risks that they need to take. Well, the, the trick is you don't make money for 12 or 13 years. That's how you do it. Yeah, <laughs> right. Well, that's the thing. I mean, my dad got into the business selling single premium life insurance and annuities, right? Like you said, that he was a salesperson first and then morphed into becoming an advisor. And that's how you pay the bills, you know, in those early, early, early years and maybe even an early decade because you're making, you know, high commissions on, on products that you're selling as opposed to what we do, which is it's a glide path to runway. It takes time to build up assets and fees. And uh, I'm extremely lucky to have the benefit of kind of starting at third base. I always explain it. And all I had to do is just round third base and get to home. Yeah. I think that's something that doesn't get acknowledged enough, you know, which is, and I'll just candidly, I'll be completely honest. Like, you know, I didn't, I didn't make six figures or take six figures of salary for at least my first 10 years of my career, you know, everything was reinvested either back into the business or I was just grinding as a young advisor trying to make it. And it was really hard because I knew that there were job opportunities that would pay me a very healthy six figures to just ditch the path that I was on. 
So there are these shiny objects along the way. And I'm just like, man, am I, am I making the wrong decision here? You know, it is a struggle and it is a grind, especially when you're starting at, at 22 years old, you know, it's a challenge to, to make. Now, once you get there, you start to realize, okay, you know, I'm, I'm really happy with, you yeah. know, with the decisions I've made, but, uh, and I will just use this chance to, to say, which I always try to say on, on podcasts like this, which is I would never, ever, ever, ever be where I'm at today without the support of my wife. Right. I mean, yeah. she has been with me every step of the way and has given me the thumbs up and backed me up and helped our family financially. Now with our kids, like it just would be literally impossible. So I always just like to acknowledge that. I feel the same way about my wife. There's so much I say often, if it wasn't for her, I'd be a very satisfied reporter at American Banker <laughs> right now. So <laughs> I there think so much of it is is having good people in your corner that are both supporting you sometimes financially, Taylor, and, and sometimes it's just kicking you in the butt when you get satisfied. I, I don't think I learned until I met my wife that satisfied wasn't necessarily, didn't necessarily a good thing. You had to just keep pushing yourself further and further. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, Taylor, you're, you're such a incredible voice in this industry and the FinTwit community, Investopedia recognized you as one of the most influential advisors out there. So when you think about all that, you know, what does the industry, what does the future of this industry look like? Yeah, I think I touched on it, which is, you know, there, there is a career path for, for people that just want to be financial planners. And that, I won't say it didn't exist, but it was much rare, you know, when I started in the industry in 2007. So I think there's like this nice, clear path for people that just really want to help people and be financial planners all day long and aren't salespeople, don't want to do business development. I think second to that, I think the future of this industry, what it's starting to kind of form, you know, mold into is going to look a lot like your medical profession or the legal profession where you're going to have a lot of smaller firms. Though of course, there's going to be the, the big giants that are out there, but I think you're going to have a lot of smaller, highly specialized firms, right? That only work with optometrists. I've got a friend in Florida. He only works with speech language pathologists, firms that, you know, only work with, with women or widows or whatever it is. You know, just like you wouldn't go to a personal injury attorney to help with your divorce, I think the same thing is going to start to happen in our profession where, you know, you're a certain demographic, you have certain needs and pain points, and you're going to go find an expert that just does that all day long. And I think that that makes the future even brighter for these young professionals. Again, if you carve out that niche and that specialty, you can be a 23, 24 year old advisor that knows everything there is to know about speech language pathologists and helping them with their financial planning you know, you, sure. you know, you, you're going to have no problem growing and, and building a successful mm -hmm. practice. So I think that's the turning point for us turning, you know, from, from an industry to a profession is when we really start to, to become specialists and really owning those specialties. So I'm excited. It's been a lot of fun. It's taken me a long time to understand the power of a specialty in a niche, but it, it's really, really benefited us as we've gotten more and more narrow. So Mike, what has you excited about the future? Yeah, I mean, I think I'm excited about the changing demographics, right? I know there's going to be a tremendous amount of wealth that's being transferred from the baby boomers to the millennials over the next two or three decades. I think what Taylor said resonates very well that that uh, new consumer, if you will, the millennial consumer is going to be a lot more picky on who they choose to work with. So if you don't uh, differentiate yourself from the competition, whether it's through a niche or just through your your marketing, whatever you end up doing, uh, you're going to get left behind. So that, that's my biggest 
you know, worry, if you will, is how do I continue to uh, maintain my client base now that are in their 60s and 70s by while also not becoming complacent and not, uh, you know, adapting and changing to meet the needs of the next generation, because we're going to be working with them in a matter of, you know, two or three decades, the the average age of our practice should shift, right? It should go from 60 to 70 to, you know, 40 or 50 as that uh, wealth gets transferred on to the next generation. So that's what I love about this business is you got to constantly be, you know, innovating and improving or you're going to be left behind. Yeah. That's another good point too, is that the average age of the advisor is, is pretty old. And I think that's, uh, that presents an opportunity for a lot of younger advisors, even, you know, I'm, I'm 36. Like there's a lot of opportunity there for me because, you know, these older advisors are, you know, kind of stuck doing the same thing that they've always done. You know, they're not going to implement any, you know, new marketing activities or anything like that. So it gives us all a chance to get really creative and it's allowed us to grow in really unique ways because that opportunity exists because a lot of advisors are just older and more established and there's not a lot of competition. So I think that presents opportunity as well. And I completely agree. And I think that goes hand in hand with our early discussion about the lack of young talent. I mean, there's going to be thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of advisors that retire uh, and transition their, their practices over the next 10 years. And I don't think there's enough young talent to fill that void. If you're established and, and young and, you know, uh, hungry, you're going to, you know, be able to capitalize off of that trend. Mm-hmm. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation, guys. And, you know, we end the podcast the way we always do with uh, someone who inspires me every day. And that's, you know, my nine-year-old son, CJ. He always gets the last question on here. So I just told him I was getting a chance to talk with two of the great young minds of the industry. And I told him, you both run your own really successful businesses in San Diego. So what he asked was, what's the best part about being young and being in charge? I think it would be either ice cream for lunch or going home whenever I want. So what do you guys think? (laughs) Taylor, I'll start with you. What's the best part about being young and being in charge? If you substitute ice cream for carne asada burritos, I'm I'm with them on that. Nice, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, I, I think uh, in in a sense there, I think he nailed it. You know, I I I love being able to do uh, every single day things that I'm good at and the things that I enjoy. And it's taken me a while to get there, but I've worked at that every single day of my career. What am I really good at? What do I really enjoy doing? How can I do more of that every single day? And, you know, being young and growing and, and being able to make some of those decisions has been great. And, and the flexibility is awesome too. However, as I think we can all attest to being a business owner, which I would just kind of lump all financial advisors into that, because in a sense, we all kind of own our own business. I, I probably work more than any other professional nine to five type professional. So yes, there's flexibility, but I think we all work harder than ever. So I enjoy the flexibility. I know that I get to make my own decisions, including carne asada burritos for lunch every day if I want. <laughs> but really, it's just being able to to do the things that I love and I'm good at, and you know, really try to make an impact both uh, in this world and and in the profession. Yeah, extremely well said. I'm going to kind of piggyback off that last part, which is the responsibility. What my actions, what I decide to do on every given day matters. You know, if I mess something up. That's on me. If I'm successful, I get to, you know, applaud myself. And I think a lot of young people uh, get in the, the the nine to five grind and they're working, you know, for someone else or another firm and they don't really have that sense of responsibility and the ups and downs that come with that. You know, every day uh, isn't easy. There's some, some days that are more difficult, but uh, I, in my opinion, you need those harder days to really cherish the good ones. So 
uh, for me, it's responsibility and being able to own my own actions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, and I, I've been in Mike's office, so I also know it's flip-flops at work is a nice, uh, yeah. nice, nice I got them on, I got them on today. Yep. <laughs> nice. Well, gentlemen, thank you both so much. This has been such an awesome conversation and, uh, I really just appreciate you guys coming on today. Matt, thanks so much. Appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks for having us. Content in this material is for general information only and not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. All performance referenced is historical and is no guarantee of future results. Securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Integrated Partners, a registered investment advisor and separate entity from LPL Financial. Michael Moore is a registered representative with and securities offered through LPL Financial, member FINRA SIPC. Investment advice offered through Integrated Partners and the Moore Financial Group, both are registered investment advisors and separate entities from LPL Financial. California Insurance License Number OJ20351. Taylor Schulte is the CEO of Define Financial and is a separate entity and not affiliated with Integrated Partners, the Moore Group, and LPL Financial.